Hello and welcome to another episode of the Trial Lawyer Podcast. I am here with Scott Powers and Danny Sepernich, both of the fine law firm of Snow Christensen and Martineau, and I am Gabriel White, the law offices of Gabriel White, Gabriel K. White, which has recently become the Utah Trial Lawyers. So we've added an additional member to the firm and I'll probably be expanding that in a future uh, podcast. But for now, we are going to be talking about a topic that is near and dear to all of our hearts, I'm sure, which is the topic of civility in the state of Utah and why, despite the efforts of everyone from esteemed lawyers to the Utah Supreme Court, to Supreme Court committees, to the Utah State Bar, the civility system um, here has not accomplished or does not appear to have accomplished what it set out to do in the beginning. Um, I will say, starting out, having practice with lawyers in other states, I think Utah is head and shoulders above most other places, especially where there are large populations of lawyers, um, where you know you run into somebody on a case and you're likely to never see them again, or the judge on that case, for that matter. Um, but so you know, it's we are probably more civil than other jurisdictions, but I think a lot of that has to do with just the inherent characteristics of our bar, rather than these the the model rules of civility that were implemented by the court uh, a number of years ago and. We've recently seen a, a run of CLEs about why they're not working or how they're being flouted by attorneys, judges. You know, I've noticed everyone. That, okay, so I'll chime in here. At every one of these CLEs, at least in recent memory that I've been to, it seems like the at some point someone makes a comment that yeah, yeah, but and this is usually from an older attorney. Mm-hmm. You know what? When I was a young attorney, we had the same CLE, and there was a concern at the time that people now, you know, the younger attorneys, they just don't get it, and everyone's, you know, treating each other like garbage, and we need to make some changes because this is getting out of hand. Now, this was 35 years ago, and here we are again talking about how attorneys can't deal with each other civilly, and it's getting out of hand. I don't think there's a problem. And you know what? In a lot of these situations, they kind of get to a point where they're like, well, yeah, okay, I guess we're doing okay. What's the, let me ask you a question, both a question. If you had to give me a range, an age range of the most, if you if think, think in your mind the least civil attorney that you've ever had to deal with, was that attorney over the age of 45 or under the age of 45? <laughs> Over. Over. Oh, Every sure. single time, of course, right? Over, but I also think that would, I think that also would have been true 20 years ago, and then they would have been under. I don't know that it's a well, thing as much as, like, this one person just happens to be there's anec- <laughs> There's anecdotal evidence that the, that the bar at least used to be less civil. Otherwise, um, you know, they, they wouldn't have come up with the idea of implementing the rules in the first place. I mean, clearly someone saw the existence of a problem sometime in the past. And, you know, you hear all these stories of attorneys who refuse to hate each other so much they refuse to even speak to each other. And they're always, you know, when they put, oh, I remember back when so-and-so and so-and-so, usually it's in ends of court, I hear these stories. And 
it's like, uh, wait, who was that attorney? Oh, you wouldn't know them. They died like 15 years uh, ago. Exactly. And it's like, okay. And, and I, Patrick Burt and I run a CLE program every year for the Wild D and, and, and we do one of our series, uh, one of the CLEs we always do is a civility portion. And I will tell you that of the negative examples that we provide, three of them come from the same very highly ranked attorney at the same law firm. And all of them are older attorneys. Okay, so I will say something here. Yeah, by and large, the ones I think of when I think of my, my special list, we'll call it, my, my, <laughs> my A-listers, uh, yeah, they are typically people that, that are established in their profession and they're over, you know, 50, typically. Um, but what I have noticed is that, and maybe I'll call it the B list, there are a number of other attorneys, younger attorneys, that I've noticed who, who are starting to take on a bit of a, uh, and I don't know if it's, it's due to their feelings of inadequacy or what, but sometimes they, they have to push an issue. How many of them, stick to their guns and, and you know... How many I, of those younger attorneys work for the older attorneys on the list? Well, okay, so that's... I have noticed two, that. That's, they're, they're being groomed to be right. uh, dirtbags. Exactly, uh, yeah. But no, on, on several occasions, I have noticed that there are some of the guys that were they're, just... They're, they're on the blossoming path, on their own. They're on the path of the sociopathic Jedi. Uh, yeah. it's, it's few and far between. And in fact, I, I have noticed that uh, several years ago, because I've been practicing long enough, I know I'm feeling old now, uh, to where I practiced before those civility rules came out and after. And it was interesting to see, you know... How old are you? I should calm down. I'm like 250. When did those civility rules... I didn't... They, I, I they, they were promulgated uh, about a, two, three, four years after I started practice, and then they were actually brought in under the guise of the... Uh, see, Danny, you notice how he said two or three years after he started practicing, and you want to tell us what year he started practicing? 2005 is when I graduated. Oh, calm down. Wow. It's not super old. That's pretty old, it's don't you think? Well, this is not the wildy podcast. No. <laughs> 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 We're not going to throw you out. I'm just saying that you're old. That's I've got okay. some gray in the beard at this point. I remember going to interview clerks up at the U, mm. and just one right after another, just being like, Oh my gosh, these people are so young. Like the one of the attorneys that I was with made a movie reference about a movie his daughter really liked and the person was like, I have no idea what movie I think it was The Little Mermaid. And the person was like, I have no idea what that is. That that must have come out. Like, well, before we'll I call was born. you. Don't I'm call like, us. Oh, I'm moving on. So old. So why do you guys think it's age? Do you think that people get hardened as they practice longer? Do you think they've seen this well, pay I, off? I think or... it's two things. Okay, go ahead. Okay, here's my thought, and then we'll go. Yeah, I'll be no. quick. I think that you've got people that once they feel comfortable enough, then their inner light starts to shine. It's like, okay, I, I don't have the insecurities they had before, so let me tell you how it is. And number two, I think a lot of them came up when the civility rules weren't something you could threaten someone with when being idiots. For example... And one thing I was going to point out... Can you threaten somebody with well, civility? Well, you can. So, for example, no. let me give you an example. Um, early on, I would ask for extensions. And I remember distinctly within the first two, three years of my practice, people using extensions as a tactic, mm. as a tactical tool for them to get you to do something or give up a right you might otherwise have. And now that the civility rules, uh, for all intents and purposes, 
obligate you to grant a reasonable extension when asked. Yeah. That doesn't happen anymore. And in fact, early, you know, when those were first, like I said, promulgated, I remember citing to them and saying, well, you have an obligation based on what I've just told you to give me this reasonable extension. I'm not asking to, you know, for anything crazy. I just need another week to prepare the interrogatories because my client's out of town. And whereas before they would say, oh, I'm not willing to do that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you'd actually have to ask the court. Or you'd have to horse to trade. In, or, or exactly, or horse trade. Now it's, it's, it's automatic. Yeah. And these people that are older grew up under a system wherein it was a tactic. Well, and, and being a jerk was part and parcel of being an attorney. And if you weren't like that, maybe you lost, lose clients. And I've got another experience with a recent client who wanted me to be that. We'll talk about that. In a second. Yeah, no, like I, I, I agree with some of that. I mean, I think extensions are the, oddly enough, the one area that I can think of where the rules of civility have had an effect in the sense that, you know, I, I, it's extremely rare for me to ever get anybody to give me any pushback on any extension. Now, some of that is because they know they're going to wind up asking me for an extension in a while as well, and. You know, and I tend to get along pretty well with most opposing counsels, so, you know, the the back and forth is pretty easy. But part of the reason I think that older attorneys tend to have more problems with civility is first, is is similar to what you were saying earlier, is that, you know, um, they've kind of, some of them have kind of reached the point where they don't, you know, people when they get older care less and less about what other people think of them. Um, you know, like when, oh, I when, when you, when you get, when you get to you talking, sitting down and talking with your grandparents about the way things used to be, you get kind of an unvarnished, you know, to the point where you may need to keep grandma away from, uh, polite society so that, um, so that, so that things are, are, are you know, don't get out of hand. Part of it is that if attorney's old enough or if they practice with somebody were trained by somebody uh, they may you may be dealing with somebody who either originally started practicing before the federal rules of civil procedure were adopted or learned from someone who did now that's back in the 50s and 60s but before those rules were enacted trial by surprise and you know hardball tactics were the norm I mean you would get cases we I remember talking to Ray Christensen before he passed away that they would get cases and it would be like, and there'd be fairly complex cases and be like, all right, so, you know, we need to go try this case. Um, do you have time in a few weeks? Yeah, sure, let's go try it. Because there's not, there wasn't really formalized discovery rules. There weren't standardized obligations for disclosure. So they would just, everybody would show up with the witnesses that they had. And, um, you know, anybody... Part of the reason why there's nothing going to trial anymore. Just because everybody knows, although there are some states where, where that they're they're reversing that. Now in Oregon, it's really hard to find out about what a witness is going to say before the witness or even who they are before you actually get down to trial, because they've done away with a lot of the disclosure requirements in an effort to contain costs, which seems like a route that we're slowly headed towards in Utah, because it seems like every new every new change to the rules of civil procedure is a somewhat inept cost. effort to reduce the cost of litigation by making, pra- by making practicing law way harder. That, of course, <laughs> makes it cheaper. But I don't know. It, it, I mean, 
the other thing I've noticed is, um, you know, the, the rules of civility. When I was back in uh, the position, you know, that um, Danny is in, uh, now, you're, are you president of the Wildy this year, the Utah? I am, uh, starting in July. Starting in July. So you're president-elect right now, and you, you're going to be in charge in that position of, or, or, or be involved in a lot of CLEs. One of the things that I made, almost the policy when I was there, not officially, but I would just never um, agree to organize one, is whenever we did CLEs on, um, on civility, I wouldn't... Everybody always wanted to bring in a judge uh, to sit on the civility panel to give their impressions of what they had seen in, in civility. And I thought, that's completely pointless. Because first of all, a lot of the judges are, you know, some of the most uncivil people in the courtroom because, um, you know, in, in some cases, I think they just feel like they can get away with it. Um, you know, uh, for whatever reason... You know, I've been yelled at by way more judges. I can guess at a number of reasons. Yeah, <laughs> even for inconsequential. I mean, there was a judge uh, in St. George, um, who I know you liked, who's no longer on the bench. <laughs> I love that guy. And he yelled. I would show up early for hearings, and I would see him with other people. And he would yell at everyone. I mean, he would yell at both sides and yell, like actually raise his voice in court. Yeah, and one time, uh, one time I try, I got up and I tried to explain to him at the beginning of the hearing, it was a summary judgment motion, that we had stipulated to all the issues except for one tiny little thing. And so we wouldn't need to take up the full two hours he had, he had, he had reserved, res, reserved for the hearing because it was a, you know, largely a stipulated issue. And, um... When I got up to tell him, he cut me off and he said, well, counsel, I haven't stipulated anything, so sit down. And he, he raised his voice a lot higher than I am right now because I don't want to blow out anybody's eardrums over the who, who's listening to this. But, um, you know, it was 10 or 15 more minutes into opposing counsel's recitation where he, he said, well, you know, there are these issues in the briefs that the judge was asking about. And he says, but... You know, Your Honor, um, they, in the interest of full disclosure, I think we should win those issues, but they've stipulated that it's not an issue anymore. We've stipulated that it's not an issue anymore. And then the judge realized, oh, wait, so what are the remaining issues that I need to decide? And it was like, okay, now you're going to listen to me. I, For me, it was very telling that the guy I was up against was a gray-haired guy from the local community down there in St. George, was a previous bar president and um you know i was the young guy from salt lake so i was the one who got yelled at and when he stood up to say you know this former bar president from down there stood up to say uh uh you know who by the way when i called him out on breaking some rules in deposition tried to get me fired with my law firm at the time Interesting story. Interesting story. Yeah, I, I may, called, may not have had a run in with the scene. Called, called, called my boss. Uh, she said, "Yeah, we got this phone call. Uh, it's BS. I'm gonna just wait a little while so he can think that we looked into it and call him and tell him I disagree with them because uh, it's ridiculous." But whatever. 
Um, I objected. I dared object to some of his questions that he had in, a, in his deposition. How dare I? Uh, but uh, Danny, uh, you know, as the youngest lawyer in this group, um, with Powers and I feeling very old uh, today, what what are your thoughts on civility? I mean, it, is this a system that is just inherently is this is this a problem that can be fixed? And now, just a brief break to hear a word uh, from our sponsor. Most lawyers are never available when you need them. The Utah Trial Lawyers do things differently. We handle personal injury, commercial and criminal cases, and we take them all very seriously. Other law firms assign your case to a paralegal or secretary and put that person in charge of managing your case. Getting an actual attorney on the phone can be a nightmare, no matter how important your case. At the Utah Trial Lawyers, every case is important and every client gets our full attention. We take cases to trial, and for that, you need a lawyer that is paying attention. You need the Utah Trial Lawyers. Each client of Utah Trial Lawyers has their individual attorney's personal cell phone number. You can talk directly to your attorney about your case anytime, day or night. If we do miss your call, we will get back to you within 24 hours. It doesn't matter if you call on a weekend, holiday, during the zombie apocalypse, or the literal end of the world. The Utah Trial Lawyers are here when you need us. I just said Danny. I, Danny. Oh, I Danny. Said, I said Danny. <laughs> Danny. Danny as the young, Powers just sees himself as the youngest lawyer in the That's room. Okay. So I, it's I, okay. I, I, but I, I think that was going to be my first comment anyways, is that I, was just I think it's the exception rather than the norm for me to come across people who are acting in uncivilly, incivilly. What um, about with judges? Is it, is it the exception rather than the norm? I oh, mean, definitely. I, I haven't had it experiences with any judges really um, but I think part of the problem is you have small aggressions and then you have the larger ones and I think rules can maybe address the larger more procedural type thing but what I experience more is just somebody being really frustrating to work with and mm. I don't know how you can craft a rule or address like that and mean. basically change their personality like what do you um, mean where everything is a struggle you, to get information and it's always a fight and it's not cooperative it's very adversarial which is the nature of the system and I think some people either just take that to heart too much or um, they feel like it's they have to you know zealously represent their client and the only way to do that is to be a hundred percent an advocate and you can't compromise or you can't um, calmly discuss something when you're being an advocate but I just read through this the rules of civility and there are a few that seem designed to get at that but I part of it is just personality I think um, some people are just kind of jerks and they probably don't see themselves as jerks and other people might not even but compared to oh I know I'm a jerk I mean if you're a jerk you know but how do you have a down. rule how do you have a rule that says be a little bit nicer to people well, <laughs> don't be let me so ask. obstreperous or uh, just calm down. I, you know, I think a lot of times that would, to me, people are not being calm, and that almost comes across as in, uncivil, incivil, but I don't think it really is, right? It's just, that's the frustration that I'm talking about. When you can't have a, a calm conversation about something where there should be an easy solution. But there's not a rule of professional, there's not a rule of civility that 
that says you must be calm and tranquil. Well, there's something that says the first rule is that you're. Let me see if I can find it. I, mean, I think it's getting toward this. I mean, that we all say, mm, before we make phone calls and hold hands and sing kumbaya. Lawyers shall treat other counsel parties, judges, witnesses, and other participants in all proceedings in a courteous and dignified manner. And so that's not the same as calm, but um, it, that the first part of that also says that um, you should deal with people without reflecting any ill will that your clients may have for their adversaries. Courtesy and fair dealing are expected. Um, these are tools for effective advocacy and not signs of weaknesses. So I think the rules are trying to get at this concept of not always being an opponent just for the sake of being an opponent. But I don't know how you put that into a better rule. Well, let me ask you this question. Um, it, the rules of civility in Utah do not have uh, any real enforcement mechanism. I mean, there's no penalty. I, there, I, I think there's like a civility tribunal you can be referred to where they sit you down and... Paddle you? Like, no, it's more... It, I, my understanding is more like a, a discussion where somebody sits down and says, come on now. Uh, you know, I've never been involved in it myself, so I guess I, I can't really speak to it. But, I mean, judges don't really have the... Other than the plenier authority derived from like rule 16 or the inherent power of the court to control proceedings in front of them judges don't really have express authority to sanction and if they do they don't use it based on violations of the rules of, uh, of, of civility and the few cases we see where somebody's gotten a real sanction from the court it's either been a naughty naughty note in a footnote on an appellate opinion or um, there, I, there's one case I can think of where somebody's briefs were stricken, and it was because, I, I mean, I looking, it happened while I was in law school. I was in this particular person who was sanctions class at the time, and he he sat down and explained why he thought he was wrong and he should have approached it from a different perspective. But like, um, you know that. It's interesting, the one instance where I've seen somebody seriously sanctioned because of this, it was because they, wh wh which rule did they violate? They impugned the integrity of oh, the they court. Call, they called the, this, the court out in court. Right, right, but, but, but see, that's my point. Like, the one rule they seemed willing to enforce with some serious teeth was the one that protects themselves. I mean, I mean how, what, could you, how, how often have you brought that issue to the court before, and how often has it been something significant enough that there is like but some of it's, sanctions? I mean, some of it's obvious. Like, for example, there, there's you're, there's there's the rules are clear. There you're, there's language you're not supposed to use in in briefs and motions that people use all the time. Words like they're in Utah Supreme Court opinions, and some of these naughty naughty footnotes. They list them, and they say you know it's inappropriate to say. Opposing counsel's argument is ridiculous, or that it's, you know, nonsensical, or that you know, and how often do I see that in briefing? Often, all the time. Now, if I were if I were a judge, which will never happen for many reasons, but hopefully the most important of which being is that I would not want that job. That one tape you made. Oh, I. Well, that yeah, that that thing on the internet. 
<laughs> I'm still getting residuals from That's that. That's a though, joke, by the way. everybody. But, um, I mean, going but, back to that, like, what do you want? What do you want the court to do? To block out that one word? No, I was going to say is the easiest way to do it would be to say, okay, counsel, here's what we're going to do. Apparently, we have a problem in this case with this. Everybody's going to come to court today, and we're going to get out your briefs. And I want you to each bring about three thousand dollars in twenty dollar bills. And I'm going to read through your brief in court. And every time you say one of these words, you're not going to, you're going to waltz up here in front of your client and you're going to put a $20 bill up on my bench. And then we're going to read through it and we're going to do that. And next time you file a motion, we're going to do the exact same thing. And we're going to do that for the rest of this case until you guys, until and, and if 20 bucks isn't enough to do it, next time it's going to be 100 and we're going we're gonna to either take those into whatever the court does with sanctions or we're going to donate it to the charity of your opponent's choice at the end, at the end of the hearing. And, and that would fall squarely within Rule 16 and the judge, judiciary's inherent power to regulate. But ju- judges just aren't willing to do that. I don't know. I mean, I think judges would be more inclined to do that kind of thing if things were getting out of hand. But going to my, my response to the question posed to Danny, I, the thing I see more than anything, and this is my, my practice, take it with a grain of salt, because I don't practice, for example, in family law or probate, where sure. I imagine things are a lot more contentious. Even PI, I would imagine, gets a lot nastier mm, than I do. Not as much as you'd think. But uh, the, the things I see when you're having kind of impasse with uh, opposing counsel is similar to what Danny said. There's these, I hate to call them microaggressions, because then we get into a whole weird trigger. Oh, that's a different, yeah. But, but what they are is they're not the big... You know, I'm not going to give you an extension kind of thing. Rather, it's a, hey, we need some dates for mediation. And two weeks go by and no response. Three weeks go by. And you start to get down to where you're running up against deadlines. And by do, you know, their obstinance and cooperation, not, not so much not, not you know, allowing you to do something or doing something overtly, but it's these subtle non-cooperations that... In, in the aggregate, and uh, really making it harder for you to you know, uh, properly it, advocate it, for your client. It just seems to me, and I, I apologize that I'm not more familiar with the rule, and this will have to be kind of, we're gonna, I'm, I'm going to take the last word on this here, <laughs> but it seems like if we're going to have something expressly in the rule, and I can't remember if getting back to people timely is, what is it? Um, that lawyers should avoid hostile, demeaning, or humiliating words in written and oral communication. I, I was thinking about his, his thing about not getting back to him mm. and not getting that. It's in there, but it's just like all it these other things. The, they say, hey, be nice. And that's right. the general kind of gist of the rule, but where are the teeth? My, my, that's my thing is, is if we're going to have a rule, there should be a consequence. Otherwise, the rule, the rule it, it almost makes it worse. Because if you put it out there as a rule, but say, hey, we're not going to enforce it, it almost emboldens people to say, "All right, they've specified all this conduct, and and without any sort of teeth into it, and seeing judges, you know, uh, yellow people. I can I can tell. There's a judge that's currently on the Utah Supreme Court, who I, I who who used to love to yell at people when he was a trial court judge, and." Um, never saw any consequence for that behavior. In fact, he's now sitting on the Utah Supreme Court. And in personal life, I've met him, and he's a very nice guy, but he got into this thing when you didn't do what he thought you should have done in his court, he would yell. And that's patently uncivil. You just want them to charge money. (laughs) I charge money. Some sort of consequence. Something. Some sort of teeth. I mean, if you violate a rule, there should be a consequence. Otherwise, don't bother making it a rule. 
But that is all the time we have for this topic. I want to thank everybody for listening to the Trial Lawyer Podcast. And we will hope you will listen again in the future.